focus, focus. Skiggity scat. It ain't nothing but me. That nigga E40. Gonna sprinkle some of you fools with some of this. Yeah. This GAME, man. Some that old guy. school, sir. Understand my what system. you know about this? Gonna sprinkle you fools with my sprinkler system. Understand this stuff. It don't stop to the motherfucking clock pop. Right out the click. good folks this is a first uh actually got up early on a sunday it's like eight in the morning right now and yeah i got a couple hours to kill before this uh raiders seattle seahawks game going down in london so i said fuck it i'm gonna fit this fucking podcast in right now it's your boy the hostess with the mostest the asthmatic aztec the man with the plan A.K.A. Zuded Zapatista. Your homie, Mara Mario Caballero here on the Puro Caballero Show. This is episode numero 40, A.K.A. Fo-O. So we had to shout out Fody Water at the top. We'll get into a little career retrospective later in a little part two of the show. But uh, we'll figure we just knock out all the, the topics of the the past week or so maybe past week and a half since uh a little late with this one here technically i'm still doing one before every week of the nfl season so yeah this one you'll probably see uploaded sometime later today um probably at the later afternoon games but anyway we'll talk about those games the next episode today we'll just go and We can only move backwards. Uh, Can't go forward in time. But yeah, there's been a lot of shit that's been going on, man, the last few weeks. First off, I want to say what's good with y'all. Hope everything is well. Hope your week has been fantastic. And yeah, my week's been pretty cool. I don't know, I've just been chilling a lot, just relaxing. I've been going out a lot the last few weeks. And yeah, I had few things i could have went to this weekend but i'm like man looking at my bank account look feeling my body i'm like i need to chill so so hit the gym yesterday went real hard and that was cool that was real cool man i gotta say dude when some of these because i got like 24 hour so i go to a couple different ones 
man, some of these gyms, man, they whoo, they stack them up with them baddies, bro. There's some good looking people, whatever inclination you have. Mm, my God. That's some motivation right there, man. You see, <laughs> she's like, all right, I can get to that. We got to get to that. So yeah, that's, that's what it was. And that's what it is. But yeah, man, the craziest thing that happened last week, we got to start off and talk about MMA, man. The MMA world, well, a couple of things, mostly at USC, but a little Bellator news also too from last night. Oh man, or last two nights, I guess, but psh, dude, craziness last weekend, man. Freaking chaos, Khabib and Conor McGregor. Uh, that fight was pretty damn exciting, I'm not going to lie. Uh, overall, um, I don't know, I was kind of torn in terms of what I, I was uh, rooting for and anticipating in terms of the game, in terms of the fight, what was going to happen. It was, uh, you know, two distinct styles, striking versus grappling, uh, pretty much. And as what happens a lot of times in the sport, grappling ended up winning. And you got to have good enough defense. And I don't know if anybody has good enough defense for Khabib, man. That dude just puts pressure on you like crazy. But, like, lead up to the fight, man, Connor was doing his usual Connor self and just poking the bear. <laughs> poking the bear wrestler, I guess, this time. But uh, he was, yeah, throwing out every single little cheap shot he could. He was calling out uh, his father because he couldn't travel to the U.S. He was talking about geopolitical stuff with Dagestan and and uh, their leader. Um, fucking, what's his name? Uh, same dude who fucked with Mo Salah. Um, Dagestan. Dagestani leader. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you spell it. Whatever. Um. Vladimir Vasilev? I don't know. That's not the guy. Uh, Chechnyan leader. That's the guy. Is Dagestan in Chechnya? Is it? It's a good question. Mm, yeah, let's see. <laughs> is it safe to visit Dagestan? I don't know. Let's see. Chechnya leader. That's what I needed to do. Katerov, that guy. This dude Katerov. Ramzan Katerov. This is the dude who's got some, uh, yeah, questionable. Uh, political tactics i would say oh yeah it looks like he just met khabib two days ago so yeah it looks like they're homies and shit man <laughs> eastern european russian countries man that's it's a different world dude it's a it's a it's a different world but yeah i saw khabib and his dad um they took the belt after they won and they actually met putin like two or three days afterwards like last tuesday or something saw that footage seemed pretty nice and happy uh, yeah, it's it's crazy it's how they use uh, sports for like geopolitical purposes and stuff. I mean, we use it too, man. I, everyone looks at it that way, but I mean, we uh, we beat the the Russians on the Miracle on Ice, and then we whipped their ass in the freaking Cold War. So it's like, of course, we think of it that way too. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but um, yeah, that fight that fight was interesting as hell. Khabib came out and was dominating. And listening to, I got to listen to the podcast with John Kavanaugh, Joe Rogan, and uh, uh, Lockhart too. Oh my God, Lockhart is so amazing. Listen to that just for his nutrition advice in terms of like training and things like that. I, I found that very, very interesting. 
because um, he's a nutrition, he's like a weight cutting specialist for the UFC and all their athletes. And he's uh, one of the guys that helps everyone out, which is very rare because teams tend to be very uh, close knit and tight. And it's, uh, you know, you're stepping on like, uh, um, you know, thin glass sometimes if you're jumping from camp to camp, working for people who are competing against each other at times. But uh, in this instance, it's uh, a lot of people have are a little bit more willing and open and accepting of uh, using his advice because he's not trying to help you gain an advantage over somebody else per se he's just trying to make sure you make that mark so that you're the best version of yourself and then he's also trying to make sure that your opponent is the best version of themselves so that we get the best result for the product on the tv screen um for the fans at home because ultimately this is a sport that you got to sell so if you if you have a, a diminished product in any sense that can be avoidable i mean go for it so this dude lockhart is amazing man and i think it's uh, it's awesome that he's a, a part of the the usc the ufc excuse me um because they really do need somebody like that and i uh i encourage all the fighters to to take take advantage of uh guys like him um i think he was an ex-military and so he you know he knows exactly how the science behind everything which uh, a lot of people don't necessarily understand is it seems like as much as he does because this dude is that's his life and dedication even just some the little nuggets that he was spitting out on rogan were pretty interesting um very interesting but anyway uh kavanaugh was saying that like his whole strategy though was to make sure that khabib would like kind of wear himself out in the first couple rounds first like two to three rounds um because uh he was they were basically admitting the fact that you know the, the takedown is gonna happen it's just a matter of surviving it um, instead of wasting all your energy to try to avoid it or try to get back up, it's just, all right, this is the round, survive the round, don't get gassed, come back the second round and, and have more tank left to, to come back and fight. Which it looked like, uh, Connor was doing, um, but I don't know, Connor, Connor didn't look as sharp as he normally does. And I think it's that, that layoff time and just, uh, I don't know the mentality that he had there. Sometimes you get into a ring or an octagon, you get in that sense, and everything you've practiced or you've tried for, um, or you've been, you know, training for. Sometimes the your natural instincts start to kick in, and it becomes difficult to switch back into what uh, mentality you had. So it's uh, it can be a challenge, man. I mean, like they say, everyone's got a plan before you get punched in the face, and then shit changes. So. Um, yeah, but Connor didn't necessarily get smacked and have his plan changed per se. Well, I mean, in the second round it kind of did because uh, Khabib faked that he was doing a, a, a single leg takedown and came like ducked his his head. Connor ducked his arms to protect himself and immediately over the top came a right hand by uh, Khabib. And it's landed on him flush, but like I think like like Kevin, I was saying in the interview, it's it's not something that you technically would would uh, would teach somebody like uh, per se. Like if you had a boxing coach, he would say that's horrible form. Why are you throwing it this way? There's no way that would land. But when you add that takedown element, it's it's uh, it changes things. You get your hands drop down. You got to protect yourself because if you don't, then your ass is getting dipped under the ground. So it's a uh, you know very interesting type of um uh like the way that the the fight game and and uh, MMA changes versus other disciplines but yeah man 
he he got knocked in that second round, and it was still more of the same from Khabib. And it looked like he was just, uh, you know, the inevitable was going to happen there. Connor, they kept telling a Connor not to keep moving forward and to kind of uh, keep space there. But for whatever reason, Connor wasn't necessarily listening to them, and he was still being aggressive up in front of him. Which uh, you got to pick your spots because uh, exactly like he said, um, he's going to take advantage of him. He's going to expose yourself and he's going to drop you on the floor. So that's what happened in the second round, too. He got knocked down. But then it didn't seem like he was taking as much damage as some of those other opponents that Khabib has fought. Because sometimes by the second round, those guys look gassed, like dead, like deer in the headlights. Like, oh my God. Like, it looks like you're. Uh, just throw them at the bottom of a pool and they can't breathe like that's that's what it looks like a lot of those dudes they are just freaking hucking like for air just like like none other they're just uh you know sucking wind but connor didn't look that gassed honestly so i'll give him a little credit for for that because by the third round he did come out and he did look like he he had still had some uh, uh enough in the tank he came out and he won that third round and was landing some strikes and was able to keep Khabib on a distance. Khabib's output would definitely slow down in that round two in the third. So I don't know if it was part of Khabib's strategy just, just to put the pressure on him at front and then maybe take a second to to you know get your footing again and then come back all 100%. But whatever it was, Khabib, he, he didn't look like he was doing everything he could in that third so the third ended up going to connor so it was 2-1 by that point and like kevin was saying a lot of people would have been surprised because they would have thought that it would have been the first round was connor's uh best chance to to land that knockout flush and then afterwards it would have been uh all khabib so their their strategy was a little flipped so they wanted connor to to be fresh at the end and then khabib to be tired at the beginning so I was a little surprised that that happened. Um, I guess inside their their camp, they weren't. That was kind of the strategy. So um, the thing is, though, it's like Connor hasn't gone the distance with too many guys, uh, and he hasn't. Uh, I don't know if he's gotten a finish out, uh, past the third round. I mean, he's only he can only get five rounds in a main event or a title fight, so it doesn't happen that that often. Um, to get past three, but I don't know. I, he doesn't even reach three in a lot of his fights. A lot of them are under two rounds, because um, that's the type of fighter that he is. And you saw, we saw it in the Diaz fights, man. He, he just gets gassed by the second, and I think it's. I think Kevin was saying it's more of a pacing issue than it is a conditioning issue, but it, I think it, it's a it's got to be a combination of both. Obviously, it's different too for Connor because he was he was doing boxing for a little bit, and so to come back and have your to train your body for one discipline and then to come back for another one is a completely challenging task, even if you have a long time to, to prepare for it. Especially, I mean, you, you're going with one of the best uh, defensive striker or defensive boxers in history, so you in the boxing ring. And then you got to go to one of the best offensive wrestlers in, in uh, the history of MMA. Uh, you would assume I'd put him up there. I think the... The way MMA has improved and evolved over the time, yeah, I would consider the guys now to be more uh, impressive than before. But that's because they've had the knowledge and experience of people before them. So you can't knock the people in the past for for not having the advantages that people that today have. Uh, with a lot of different things, technique, training, dieting, just uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of different stuff. 
just the science and the technology in, in terms of the fight game has really improved. I would say just in the last 10 years since I've paid attention to it, really. Um, but man, that third round came and it was like, okay, now we're in a fight. Now it's a barn burner. So it was a matter of, can Connor do enough now to uh, keep that momentum and take the take the last couple rounds or eventually knock him out? When that fourth round came, man, it seemed like, all right, we still have, it still might be a 50-50 uh, proposition in terms of what could happen here. Then it looks like Connor just kind of got a little lazy in that fourth, and he wasn't as sharp in terms of defensively and picking his spots in terms of when to strike, because it came pretty quick for uh, that opportunity to Khabib to, to, to maul him and take him down. Connor was on the ground, and the whole fight, he was doing a very good job of not exposing himself to any... Um, um, submission attempts there from Khabib. I think Khabib almost got him in a Kimura at one point, but uh, yeah, eventually took his back, got him into that rear rear naked choke hold, sunk that arm deep into him, and then that was all she wrote. Man, it's a similar way how he lost to Diaz. Man, gave up his back, and I think he panicked after a while. It's tough, man, when you're there under under a dude for that long, like he was in the first, second, and in the fourth round. So that's like three out of four rounds that he was just submerged under that dude. And, yeah, couldn't really get up. And it's, it's I don't know, man. It's, it's like having like three life jackets or weight jackets on you. Maybe even worse than that. It's like, it's like having a bear on top of you or something like that. It's crazy. It just it doesn't make physical sense, man. It's how strong Khabib is for that weight class. Um, probably like 175, 180. Drops down to 155, man. That's just, whew. That's a lot. That is a lot there. Oh, man. What a, what a hell of a fight. So they ended up calling it, and immediately after they called the fight right there in the fourth, Khabib looks over to the side of the ring, throws his mouthpiece at somebody. It ended up being Dylan Dennis, we found out later. Um, Bellator fighter, jiu-jitsu guy, uh, who's part of, uh, Connor's camp. So he starts talking shit to Dylan and then immediately hops over the fence, man, and jumps into the crowd, like flies in like two feet into like, they're trying to stomp some dude out, jumps into the crowd and all hell breaks loose at that point, man. Khabib's team's like jumping into the cage. Connor's team's like, you know, scuffling with people, Freaking, um, one of Khabib's guys tries to jump into the cage. Connor reaches over and tries to punch at him. I think he connected it on him. Looked like he did. It's grainy cell phone footage from a bunch of people. So, hard to tell 100%. But, yeah, it looked like he, he, he uh, swiped at him. Got him. And then was coming down and was, like, head on a swivel uh, up against the fence. Some dude jumps over the fence right behind where he is, where you can't see him. And just starts just... You know, teeing off on him just lays like two or three punches on a guy that already just went through a goddamn fight already. MMA fight, it's freaking beyond done, beyond gassed. So, like a, a legit brouhaha fucking like uh, popped up, and that was pretty insane. I don't think anybody was ready for that. They're saying they had the most security ever at a UFC fight in, in uh, MMA history in Las Vegas. They they said they had like half of the LA, LA Las Vegas PD that was just on staff just there for that. Uh, that fight. And I think Dana White was saying the rest of the, was scared for the rest of the town because there's no more goddamn cops available outside of them. Uh, so, yeah, that was pretty damn crazy, man. They're saying the governor, I think Brian Sandoval is his name, the governor of Nevada was sitting there ringside and was, got freaked out and just ran out. 
And so it's not a good PR move there by uh, UFC to have that happen. I mean, they can't predict that shit. That's that's literally unprecedented. It's like the first time something like that has happened where we have a fighter leaving the cage and attacking somebody. We've seen fighters leave the cage, but like to celebrate um, stuff like that. And they've been fine for that. But Jesus this is crazy. It was pretty intense, man. That shit was popping off like none other. Like none other. It was uh, it's pretty intense. Oh, man. Yeah, all hell broke loose. And uh, they did a pretty good job of containing everything, though, because uh, from from what I heard it's and from what I've seen from other past you know events and stuff like that is those skirmishes can really spill out into the casinos and can spill out into the streets and stuff like that. So um, there was, it was a little bit toxic there with all the Russian fans and all the Irish fans, man. Those are two groups of people that love to drink, man. You know how it is, and you get people that love to drink, and you get some dudes that are really happy and some dudes that are really sad. Their emotions are gonna get the best of them, especially out there in Vegas, man. That's just like a cesspool for that shit, man. It's just like a breeding ground. So luckily enough, that didn't happen. I think everything was pretty modest uh, outside of that little skirmish there. But a lot, obviously, it just puts everybody in a bad light and doesn't make people uh, who are already negative to the sport and it doesn't make them very receptive to it however i will say the people who are like pretty whatever about the sport i did hear from some some like sports fans who aren't necessarily mma fans they said like you know what i never really watched fighting but because this happened i kind of took a look at the highlights and like i was watching the granny self footage on, on on youtube and and all that stuff so they were uh you know it did gain some interest in a certain respect which is kind of <laughs> kind of funny to think about um but yeah that's uh it's interesting to see because it's it's like it is the ufc this is this is like fighters going in there ready to break some dude pretty much that's their goal but there's more to that it's obviously a sport and there's it's a competition and it falls within the realm of martial arts and the i definitely respect the world of a martial artist and and what their um the ethos is, I guess, more so than a price fighter, I would say. Because if you're a price fighter, you're fighting for money, for sure, 100%. But if you're a martial artist, you're fighting for other things that, that meet a lot. It's like, um, you know, pride, respect. Um, uh, I can't I can't extrapolate on it now. I'm blanking, blanking like a motherfucker. But you know what I'm saying. There's 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 more that goes into it. Uh, than just uh, fighting for money per se. So um, yeah, it's uh, anyway, the the rest of the card man was pretty crazy too. The fight before then was interesting. You had a uh, um Tony Ferguson taking on Anthony Pettis, and Pettis is a motherfucker, man. He's a, a former champion, I believe at one forty five, but he's up at one fifty five, which is probably a better weight class for him. And he was uh. Yeah, he's a brawler. He's a dude that's just going to come at you. And, and Ferguson is too, man. Ferguson is coming off six months of an LCL surgery. And after the fight, they ended up hearing that he didn't go to rehab one time. He did the rehab all in-house by himself, which, man, like, that's not something that I would propose. But if I guess he's got, he's his team is solid enough, and I think he understands his body enough to, to go forward with that stuff. Because he's a very untraditional type of fighter in terms of the style of how he prepares, how he even fights in the ring 
and stuff like that. He's he's kind of like a one of one. He's a kind of a freak of nature in terms of uh, what he does in his training sessions and stuff. And very innovative, very creative in terms of what uh, what type of tactics he he likes to do. And he's he's a break dancer too, which is kind of funny. He was uh, break dancing there at the uh, the open workout uh, section prior to the fight. But man, for Pettis, man, Pettis got some hands, dude. He can come and just smack you. And he laid a couple on Tony, but Tony brought it, man. Tony just keeps coming at you. Tony's like a freaking tornado. It's like uh, the first uh, first gust isn't going to get you, but something's going to hit you on the way in, man. He ended up gashing up Pettis uh, like by his right temple, like really, really bad. And the blood just kept flowing. We couldn't even tell where the blood was coming from. I thought it was coming from Tony. Because uh, that's where most of the blood was coming down. Because I think it, he landed it when he was on his back. Um, I think he hit him with an elbow as Pettis was on top of him. And so Pettis started just leaking on top of him. And so we didn't know if it was coming from Tony or coming from him. But, uh, yeah, Pettis ended up... Uh, it was a pretty even fight up until the point where Pettis broke his hand. And then Tony just laid it on him. Tony had kind of stemmed the momentum before that... And it looked like he was going to start to take advantage of the fight. But even then, it's still like Pettis, he couldn't go any farther. I think it was after the third or the fourth round. Um, they had to call it and they gave it to Tony because uh, he, he figured he couldn't go keep going anymore. <laughs> but that was a heck of a fight. And props to Tony, man. He looked pretty damn good for having that injury and, and all that, uh, you know, considering... He didn't look as spry as he did before the injury, but I would say he got to about like 85-90% of that and considering his other immense talents, that's that might be good enough to get to get to beat most fighters in the UFC. Now, the discussion next for Tony is what uh challenge is going to be up for him uh the next time he's in the octagon. And that there's going to be a lot of politics involved in terms of what uh the matchups are going to be. He's the guy who lost his interim belt just because of injury. So he technically hasn't lost it. Like So he was saying in his mind he's still the champion, even though he was paid considerably less than what Khabib and Conor were making that night, uh, which is unfortunate. I saw the purses, and I was like, God damn, this dude's getting 750K, and uh, Khabib is getting 2 mil, and Conor's getting 3 mil guaranteed just to fight. So these, these dudes are getting at least double three times as much as he was getting um and i think he deserves it man he deserves it obviously the situations between him and khabib trying to schedule the fight they've done it three times unsuccessfully something's happened every single time from one or the other and that shit's just it's ridiculous it's just like they're snake bitten it's almost like you figured it's like damn near impossible to get them on the, uh in the in the ring together and octing on the other but we'll see, man. We got to try for a fourth. We have to. That's the, the matchup I think the MMA diehard community wants dearly, 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 dearly. I don't know if they'll get it, but that's what they want. At least that's what I want, man. That's what that's what I freaking want. I want to see those dudes. I want to see the the crazy, insane striker fight the uh, crazy, insane wrestler. That's the type of matchups you don't see in the UFC no more. That's like... 90s UFC style stuff. Um, yeah, so so we'll see what happens with Tony. He said he would be willing to fight Connor because I mean now we we have all these questions 
uh, about what the heck's going to happen with the uh, some suspensions, some possible fines, some possible um, you know legal visa issues. It's like Khabib literally assaulted a guy outside the ring. So once it's in the ring, it's it's all fair and games. But once you step out, then it's that's like uh, legal ramifications come into play, and so that's that's what he's got to deal with. So we'll see. Uh, see what the what the word is there this is going to be a long standing type of thing and it's going to be going on for a while because uh yeah if he gets a chance to fight connor that will be a fucking action-packed fight i would love to see that i would love to see him fight nate diaz too now that nate is uh off the fight with poirier since poirier had a hip injury in training so um yeah man there's a question mark in terms of what the heck Nate's going to be doing now, who he's going to be fighting. Um, so we'll see. A lot of question marks here in the UFC in terms of other matchmakers. Um, see what's going to happen. Because if you got give Connor some time, I think he'd see. This is the thing about Connor's. He's only he once you reach a certain point, you only want to fight people who are you know at that point also. So. It becomes difficult for a guy to even accept like a tune-up fight or something like that, or even ask for one. Um, I think that would be useful for him, but he's not going to do that. So I don't know what, what the challenge would be for him at this point. He wants the rematch, but I don't know if Khabib is going to be ready for that rematch. Um, he might not fight for another year or so, maybe longer. I don't know if they'll strip the belt for him per se. They might do this thing where they give him the belt, but then immediately institute a uh, interim just to delegitimize his belt a little bit more and force uh, a direct matchup between the two belt holders, the interim and the lineal champ, I guess, or whatever the fuck they call it in uh, UFC. Oh, man. This shit was crazy, man. Uh, earlier in the card, though, the, the fight before them... Um, that was pretty interesting. Alexander Volkov and uh, Derek Lewis. Holy crap. That was intense, man. Volkov was beating the shit out of him. He was beating the brakes off of Lewis. He was uh, he had him drop like three times in the fight, and he could have ended it if he just would have kept going. It's hard to fault the guy for not trying to go for that because sometimes they could expose themselves, which... Derek Lewis is a one-punch knockout guy. He, you expose yourself once, and that's all it takes. And But at the same time, if you don't take advantage of him, you give him life. And you still allow for that one-punch knockout to happen. So it's, it's a, it's a catch-22. Because I've seen guys lose fights because they're over-aggressive. And I've seen guys lose fights because they're under-aggressive. And I think that's what happened with Volkov here. Because he, he was teeing him up. He was hitting him with strikes, man. He was coming in and out. He had the length on him. He had the size on him. Um... Although, Lewis is more beefy. Uh, he's had more of the power. But still, Lewis didn't have a gas. And you could tell he was still still dealing with shit, man. He, he was saying he's got back issues. And he's uh, his whole game plan was to come in the first round and try to knock him out. And if he didn't knock him out, then he was just going to give him his best. But he might it might not be good enough, you know. Oh my god, so the first round come, came and went, and he didn't get that knockout, and he was throwing like he was trying to get that knockout, but afterwards, man, it was just stumble, 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 we get to the third round, at the end of the fight, there was freaking 11 seconds left, Volkov doesn't, he, he like gets 
close to uh he's like trying to exchange close with Lewis and Lewis just puts his left hand up near his his uh um his neck to give him a stabilizer like give him uh you measure the distance and he just came with a right over the top whoa bam <laughs> like freaking haymaker one time smacked him right in the side of the face drops the dude Oh, he was, like, out on the way down. And his hands were... Tried to cover up for, like, two seconds. He comes down with some freaking hammer fist, just, like, some bricks, man. Just smash, smash, smash. And then by the third one, home dude's, homeboy's hands were on the ground, like, to the side of him. And he was not protecting his face. <laughs> and you're like, oh, boy, went night-night. Oh, shit. Ref came in, stopped it with 10 seconds... 11 seconds left in the fight. This fool brought, you know... Pull that win out of his asshole, man. Like, straight up. Like, that shit was insane. And the fucking post-fight interview was, like, all-time classic, dude. Takes his, his uh, shorts off, and Joe Rogan comes up to him. And is like, Derek, I'm here with Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your shorts off? Fool comes up and just like, because my balls is hot. <laughs> what a fucking clown, man. Oh, shit, his IG is hilarious, too, just like Rogan said, shouting him out. I think he got, like, 50K more followers after the fight, man. That was classic, classic finish, man. That's, uh, this is a dude who said he was, uh, retired, too, man. The only reason he came out was because they offered him good enough money, man. Now, talk about crazy. Lewis gonna be fighting, um, the heavyweight. He's fighting for the strap, man. He's fighting against Cormier. So, that'll be very interesting. Two pudgy boys. (laughs) <laughs> going at it and their history is pretty fucking funny man they uh i think they both fought under the same card when stipe and dc were fighting <laughs> and Derek lewis was talking shit to to cormier because he said he disrespected popeyes on that ad that he had back in the day <laughs> he was dancing with the chicken legs oh my god that shit was too funny y'all need to go back and see that shit that was that was classic that was too good oh man too too good oh so that'll be interesting one it's uh i'm taking dc that dude's got a pedigree and the dude has uh i think he has a, enough to to withstand it lewis man he, he hit you like a mac truck though so you can't rule him out in any sense but uh, i think dc overall is the more solid fighter so i'll that'll be interesting one It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with DC. Cause, uh, so, I think the scenario now is he'll be fighting Lewis for the heavyweight strap. And then, we don't know what the hell's going on with Brock. I think Brock's struggling to get adapted to the USADA rules and shit like that. I don't think he's uh, physically looking the greatest. Um, <laughs> that TRT and them steroids starting to wear off now. Old man looking a little flabby, I guess. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, um, uh, so he might fight him. We don't know about that yet. And then we've got, yeah, they just announced John Bones Jones and, uh, Alexander Gustafson are going to finally have a rematch after their brutal war back in 2011. They're going to be fighting, I think, for the interim light heavyweight belt. So whoever gets that strap. That means I think DC is going to get stripped of that light heavyweight belt at that point as soon as they step in the ring or in the octagon. So they get on the mat, and then that kind of sets that up. So does that mean DC is going to come back down to try to get that light heavyweight back? 
Are we going to get number four against um, John Bones Jones? Can DC finally do something? Like, I don't know. Bones has his number, and, like, DC is one of the greatest of all time, so it just tells you how good Bones is. It's like, oh, man. Man, Bones has his own controversies with, like, you know, performance enhancing drugs versus party drugs versus, you know, assaulting people versus hit and run accidents. And, yeah, he's got his own demons to work out, so we'll see what happens he's still one of the greatest fighters ever and can't take that away from him but it's about other stuff too besides just uh you know putting your uh fist into some dude's face or knocking some dude out with a freaking uh kick to the head uh, like he did with uh dc so that'll be interesting to see. So there's a lot, there's a lot of storylines ongoing here with the UFC. Also want to give a quick, quick shout-out to Bellator. I think they had a couple events the last two nights. I know Matt Mitrione ended up beating or losing to um, uh, Bader, Ryan ba- uh, Darth Bader, uh, in their heavyweight tournament, which is kind of cool, a little heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. And then last night, it was Chael Sonnen versus Fedor Emelianenko. And, man, Fedor looks so much bigger than Chael in the ring. Oh, man, he was so much bigger. Oh, in that cage. Jeez, uh, Fedor, it was a, a one-rounder. Fedor just nailed him a couple times in jail, you could tell. At that at that stage of his career, he just did not, not wanted to take that punishment, man. Couldn't last through it. Fedor was just dropping a couple bombs on him. That, uh, it's funny, man, Fedor can get got, though. Fedor lost to, to Mitrione last year, so... On a one-punch knockout type situation. Fedor is like older Fedor. So he's got... I think he's more... He's definitely more susceptible. Not as... I think... I think his chin's probably not as good. And it's probably not as quick as much. He's still got that pop though, man. He can still knock anybody out with one punch. And that's kind of... Kind of how it is. That dude was such a beast back in the day. He was just unstoppable. He was just a wrestling phenom. And he just knocked the shit out of you. Oh, man. Mm. So I think it's going to be Fedor versus Bader for the heavyweight championship for Bellator, which is uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like how they have the tournaments. I think that's pretty neat. So we'll see what ends up happening there. I think they're fighting in January. I think here in Los Angeles. I might, might have to grab a ticket. I don't know. See how much that is. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do some transitions now. We'll go to... Um, the other craziness, man, going on in the NBA, biggest headline stories, Jimmy Butler going scorched earth mode against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Holy fuck. If you've not been paying attention to the pettiness that's been ongoing in the last few weeks, been talking about this in the last couple podcasts, but holy shit, things went viral this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say. On Wednesday, it was freaking insane. Jimmy Butler goes into practice after demanding a trade after the team was close to trading him to Miami. Apparently, Pat Riley called Tom Thibodeau a motherfucker just because Thibodeau was asking for a couple more picks uh, than he wanted to give out. And they had, like, the framework for a deal in place. They had exchange physicals, which is when you know it's like, okay, this shit's just about done. And then they pulled the rug out of it. And so uh, Jimmy's pissed, obviously. Um... He's he has a lot of grievances. One, the two younger guys got paid ahead of him. Two, they keep telling him how he's so important, yet he doesn't feel that they he doesn't you know feel that love that way. 
Um, let's see. Uh, three, the two young guys are immensely talented, but don't work as hard as him. Four, all he does is hard work, and that's literally his whole career. Um, yeah, and I don't know what's five. Oh, um, five. I guess he probably slept with Kara uh, Anthony Towns' ex girlfriend, and so I think. Carl's not stepping up for himself type of shit. So I think he just looks at him as being weak. So there's all that stuff. Um brewing just everywhere. And yeah, it's it's a toxic environment. So he comes into it and they're like, Alright, we want you to show up to practice. So he says, You want me to practice? Alright, fuck it then. Homeboy takes the third stringers, whoops ass against the first string offense. <laughs> He just beats the team basically by himself. Kept shit talking Scott Layden, uh, the owner, uh, or or the one of the I guess one of the the GMs or whatever. The he was shit talking Thibodeau. He was shit. He was shit talking to everybody. It was amazing. Oh man, just like do y'all need me? Y'all fucking need me? It's just like <laughs> it was insane. It was fucking insane. He was uh. He was just talking to him, he's like, man, I didn't like playing with freaking uh, Derrick Rose in Chicago. Why'd you bring his punk ass here, too? (laughs) Oh, my God. It was like, it was hilarious. It was so awesome. I was so down for it. It was punking everybody, man. He just came in and just like fucking, uh, oh, man, like in in How High, man. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> oh man and it was hilarious too is he had a, a rachel nichols like at his apartment like all lined up to do an interview right after practice like he knew he was gonna do it he fucking knew he was gonna that's what's gonna happen and uh rachel flew from la out to minnesota like that shit just doesn't normally happen like oh i'm in minnesota hey what's going on jimmy like they knew this was they were trying to play the media and shit against each other they fucking knew like oh man this this is awesome this is fucking crazy (laughs) so yeah so he's pulling all the stunts and then (laughs) it's so funny the next day they uh they have a preseason game and they say jimmy's not traveling the team because (laughs) so what did Thibodeau say (laughs) quote unquote he needs to work on his conditioning (laughs) like bullshit man anybody needs to work on the conditioning it's everybody else on the team so they fucking got whooped by this fool oh man hilarious so funny (laughs) <laughs> oh shit that was that was awesome that shit was fucking incredible <laughs> oh man i can't just imagine the look on their face just like well fuck i think we made a wrong decision here i think we should have paid homeboy <laughs> oh fuck oh especially wiggins man Oh, Wiggins is like has all the tools, but it just doesn't put it hasn't put it together. Has not put two and two together. I think LeBron made the right decision shipping his ass out for Kevin Love because Wiggins on that team would have not meshed well. I don't think. Yeah, Love had the temperament to deal with LeBron's uh, leadership style and all that stuff, but I don't know if Wiggins would have. In theory, it would have been better, but. If he would have been able to improve differently than he has, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I does not know. 
Anyway, yeah, so that shit's crazy. We'll see if he does end up getting traded. He didn't make, uh, he didn't show up to their last practice for, yeah, I think that's probably for the best. He did say, he did, I think they actually, they canceled the practice and they said they had a team players only meeting, but Jeff Teague saying it wasn't players only meeting or something. I don't know. It's weird. Basically, Butler addressed the team. He said, look, as long as I'm here, I'm going to bust my ass and shit like that. But you guys know the scenario. So like, I'll be here for y'all, but y'all know I don't want to be here necessarily. Y'all know my grievances. And I think they do. It's so crazy. Yeah. I remember the stats like the end of last year. Them fools were not passing the ball to each other. I think it was Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler were not passing the ball with each other the last like two or three months of the season. And yet, Butler still led the freaking team into the playoffs. Without him, it would have been ridiculous. It would have been crazy. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm. Can't believe it. What drama. I love it, though. Awesome stuff. Yeah, NBA's coming up, and preseason's been, been going on. I think the season starts in, like, a week or two. It's pretty insane. Yeah, I think the season starts on Thursday. Damn. NFL, NBA, MLB playoffs going on right now. We'll talk about playoffs in a second for MLB. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. It's, like, the best time to be a sports fan is, like, in the fall time, I feel like. I saw everything's all kind of coming to a head a little bit. Hockey's ongoing right now. They already started the season. There's been some crazy goals, some dangles. Watch some Sports Center highlights of those. Even though they don't show them that often. They get them top 10 plays, though, man. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on as the season continues. We'll move on to the little NFL action. We'll give you a recap from last week. This was uh, week five. Even though week six is already ongoing. I got to say, me and my little sister, we went to the uh, Chargers-Raiders game last week. And the whole, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the whole environment for the stadium, I was really down on. I think you heard me shit talk kind of like the fact that they were doing it in Carson. Little ass football stadium or little ass field for a football game because it's a soccer stadium. But it wasn't too bad, honestly. Honest to God, you know when you get in like the football, you go to football games, you just get kind of like a certain small level of anxiety just because there's that many people in a certain place. I know not everybody can get used to and accustomed to just feeling comfortable with that many folks there. If you go to a game at the um, the StubHub Center, that is just reduced by like almost half i would say in my opinion it felt like a very manageable group uh so if like things went crazy it could be handled uh swiftly versus if you in if you go to like a, a legit nfl stadium and you see shit pop off so there's there's like a you know you're like oh shit what's gonna happen you get that feeling and you start getting to defense mode like here you were just you kind of you're kind of chilling um, especially because they changed the alcohol policy for the fucking Raiders. They didn't sell anything after halftime, although I got, like, a beer or two, like, right at the beginning of the third quarter because they didn't really give a fuck where I was at. But anyway, um, yeah, and they only allowed you to get one beer at a time, too, like, the whole game. So people were not getting as trashed as uh, they normally would expect, I guess. 
Yeah, it was a takeover for the Raiders, for the fans, for sure. It was about like 70% silver and black, I want to say. There was uh, some blues there, but not as much. Uh, but man, sad-ass performance on the field. What in the fuck, Gruden? Chucky fucking Gruden, give the damn ball to Marshawn at the one, three times in a row. I don't get it. I do not get it. Oh, my God. If you're gonna throw the ball, don't throw it over the fucking middle of the field and the uh, um, at the goal line, man. You throw, you throw a little little jump uh, jump balls in the corners, or you throw a little out routes, a little safe ass routes. So you get no goddamn picks. You need fucking points when you get that close. And the damn Raiders, man, they freaking run on the ball to get to that point, and then they just shit the bed, man. They shit the bed. F- fucked up, man. And the defense was not stopping nobody. So many missed tackles on, like, little plays. Phillip Rivers fumbles the ball and still completes a little check down to Eckler. And Eckler just jukes one dude and runs up as, like, a convoy of blockers down the left side and just runs it, like, 50 yards for a fucking touchdown. Like, come on, man. What the hell? This is not the business. Not the business. It's freaking crazy, man. I can't. I I cannot believe it. I could not believe it, man. Oh, that offense was just getting shut down, and Carr's just not looking, not looking solid enough, man, to do it. He's just he's just not. I've been the most disappointed with Carr's performance this season. Cause two years ago he was looking like uh, he was on his way to being uh, that Pro Bowl type dude every single year, top ten, top five, top uh, conversation. Man, I don't know if it's the the injuries and just him being gun shy, or if it's this new offense and all that stuff. But it's not looking good. It's not looking solid. Defense still needs more pass rush, and secondary's been a little banged up too. I don't know what they're doing with Conley. Um, it seemed like he was out there on nickel. I don't know if he was banged up or what. And didn't take a chance to. I didn't take a look at the injury report and I didn't see him on it. So. I don't know, man. This Raider season is looking like already in the dumps. They're what one and five now, or one and four through five games, and it's not looking so hot. As always, man, I just want five hundred, man. Give me to eight wins, and we can bitch about the rest. Um, but you can be a little, at least, somewhat content around eight wins. So it's that's all I want, man. That's all I want. Just give me to five hundred and. I'm gonna I'm gonna want more, but I won't I won't be content with that. You know what I'm saying? I can't be too too out there with that shit, man. Ugh. First down on the one, man. This, this, this is like this this keeps happening. Why why? And Gruden's comments after the game. I get his comments. You just uh, I wouldn't say it like that. He just basically said fuck you guys. I'm gonna do what I want. And. That's not healthy, man. That's not healthy environment. Like, I get it. If I want to call play action because that's the best play call due to the situation, then I'm going to call play action. And I agree with you on that to a certain degree, though, because it's like you got to know your personnel and you got to know what you could do, man. This is the dude who used to give freaking uh, Zach Crockett every single goal line touch near the uh, short yardage. Uh, situation and that dude used to bust it open and get touchdowns all the time man that dude was a battering ram 
uh, what was the fuck was the play called? Like uh, 22 Blast or some shit like that? Freaking Greg Papa used to call it on the radio. Like, here it comes. Here it comes every single time. Everyone knew it was coming. They couldn't stop it. It's the same shit with Marshawn, man. Just give him the damn ball. Let him go three times. Give it to him three times. If it doesn't work, kick the damn field goal. Because then your team isn't good enough. You don't deserve it. Oh, shit, man. And after that happened, the whole team just was deflated. The whole stadium was deflated. And uh, even on the road, (laughs) fucking Chargers fans. But uh, it it looked like the, the team was done after that play. And, oh, man, they couldn't stop on defense. No turnovers. Lack of turnovers, man. Just got to put pressure. Ah, man. A lot, a lot of question marks. And as the season rolls on. And here's the other thing, too. is like today they're playing a 10 a.m. game because they're playing in fucking London against the Seahawks. What kind of brilliant idea is that to take two West Coast teams and ship them all the way across, not even across the country, and then across the pond to get over there to London. Man, that's that's a ridiculous flight. That's a ridiculous travel arrangement. Mm. And it's uh they should have fixed the schedule out so they could get either give them the Thursday night the week before so that they get ten full days to get the travel and everything accustomed. Or give them the bye the week before and then the travel. Um or you gotta do it you gotta do it so it's uh you time it out like you give them. I don't know. I don't. It's. Hmm. I don't know how you would do it, man. It's it's tough because both teams can't play each other back to back weeks, and you can't have them. Yeah, they're not. Uh. I don't know. This, this is a scheduling shit show kind kind of thing. But yeah, basically two West Coast teams playing in London. What a fucking home game that is for Oakland, man. They always lose those freaking home games to the international thing because they don't fucking like the stadium Raiders Coliseum yep 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 whole bunch of shit whole bunch of uh, politics going on in the NFL but whatever man um yeah I'm gonna get some fish and chips after the game win or lose probably just cause uh it's the mood need to hurry up and wrap this shit up and get me a breakfast burrito cause it's about like 9 o'clock right now like 10 after so that uh under an hour before uh, kickoff where I watch this shit by my lonesome and just yell at the TV in my apartment because I don't feel like going to a bar today. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. What else we got? Oh, yeah. We got this whole craziness with the Odell Beckham throwing Eli Manning under the bus, doing an interview with freaking Lil Wayne next to him and shit. Uh, I agree with everything that Odell says. Like 100%, Eli doesn't have that arm. 100%, they're double teaming him with the safety over the top, running cover two uh, defense. I don't necessarily agree with the method of how it was brought brought forward, man. If I were him, I would have had a conversation with the coach beforehand. I would have had a conversation with the GM beforehand before going to public. Um, but uh, I don't know if Odell necessarily knows how to be that type of leader because I don't know if in his whole career if he's ever has that experience man so I think in the past certain players act a certain way and they either get rewarded or they don't get reprimanded so it's either you know what they want happens or there's no negative consequences to what they do so what it does is it tells them, okay, maybe in the future, if I get in a similar situation, this is how I should react. So 
I think in the past when things shit just hit the fan, he's just kind of blown it up and just let everybody know. Because uh, we'd rather everyone know than nobody know. But that kind of went too far, I want to say, in my opinion. So he, he kind of threw him under the bus. And, yeah, that game was funny because they open up and they, they let uh, Odell throw a touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley. And then eventually finally gets the first touchdown of the season. Receiving later on in that game. But he has a monster game. And uh, I think they still ended up losing though. It was a close one. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a close game. And how were they playing? Jacksonville or something like that? I can't remember. Two weeks ago. Anyway, they miss it. And... Uh, they lose a, a close game. They come back Thursday night game. It was them against the Eagles. Both teams kind of struggle in there in the NFC East. And I'll tell you what, man, the Giants look dead in the fucking water. Eli looked like shit. Looked horrible. Even worse than he did the rest of the season. Horrible, man. He looked just man, bad, bad, bad. It was Saquon and nobody else in that game, really. And I'm really pissed off because I got Odell on my fucking fantasy team, man. And he got me 30 points like the, when he, the week before. And then this week, he got me fucking six, man. And he's just, he can't get the ball because Eli can't throw it to him. And so I'm fucking pissed for you too, Odell, man. I need him points, man. I think I'm going trade to him, trade him, man. I'm put him on the trade block for my fucking fantasy leagues. And you get somebody better. Because like this dude is just not scoring. It's not his fault that he's not scoring. But, I mean, shit. What can I do? Um, anyway, that shit's going on, and let's see what else. Let's look at some of the other NFL scores. What what happened here last week? Um, yeah, because my memory's shit, and we're already on week six, so, yeah. Let's see here. Safari. Um, yeah, I was watching Bellator last night. Let's see. Um, NFL schedule. Let's go. Douche. All right, all right, all right. Come on. Come on, Google. What riveting stuff we have here. Here we go. Boom, boom. Let's go. Last week, give you the scores. I had Pats challenge the Coles 38-24. Jets beat the Broncos 34-16. That was a surprising one. Oh, it was the Panthers they played. It was the Giants-Panthers. It was 33-31. Panthers ended up winning that game. That was a back-and-forth one, though. Lions beat the Packers. Packers look like they're struggling this year. 31-23. Bills beat the Titans 13-12. Titans are always in these close, slow, slugging games. Steelers routed the Falcons, man. Falcons are in deep shit now, man. They've had some close losses, and they have an explosive offense, but they cannot get it done. Steelers 41-17. That was a big one. Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-17. The Brownies beat the Ravens 12-9 in OT. No more field goals. Uh, Browns are just trying to, you know, stay alive. They're respectable now. You got the Baker Mayfield experience going on. So they're looking respectable. The Ravens, Ravens are a funny team, man, because you don't know. I can't read them. I cannot read the Ravens. I don't know what's going up with them. Let's see. Chiefs 30, Jaguars 14. Uh, Chiefs are looking ridiculous right now, man. Um, 
I'm really upset at how good they look. Um, but yeah, it's the same old Chiefs until they prove otherwise. Um, I'm going to count them out later <laughs> until they prove otherwise, as we said. Although Alex Smith ain't on the team no more, still. As we mentioned, Chargers beat the Raiders 26-10. Oh, Vikings beat the Eagles 23-21. That was a, a barn burner there. Um, let's see. Rams over the Seahawks 33-31. That was interesting. They had that fourth and one play. Uh, to, uh, Jared Goff decided to uh, they snuck it with him, and he got all amped. Man, the Rams are looking freaking ferocious. They were down most of the game. Ended up coming back without Cooper Cup, without Brandon Cooks, a whiteout. They had Robert Woods and some other guys, and uh, Gurley still. But they ended up getting it done, 33-31. I think this Rams team is the most potent team in the NFL right now. They look like they're the most solid. Let's see, Cardinals, 28, Niners, 18. Beathard, it's not enough without Jimmy G, man. Even with the Cardinals, even the Cardinals, Josh Rosen's team. Man, a lot of young quarterbacks in the league right now. A lot of them. Texans beating the Cowboys 19-16. to That was, uh, man, Deshaun Watson has been going off recently, I would say. He's uh, look, looking healthy now. First few weeks, you could tell he was still getting his uh, bearings under him, but now he's looking pretty, pretty healthy. He's looking like his normal self. Out there slinging the ball, running around a little bit too. Cowboys still don't have enough weapons, and yeah, they don't look too too hot right now. Texans are on an upswing. They just need to. They got that cutie guy, that cootie cootie guy that uh, is is emerging for them as a whiteout because uh, Wolf Fuller has been dealing with the hamstring injury, and it looked like he was uh, less than 100% last week. So I'm going with him again this year, this week with my uh, fantasy team because I think he'll be a little healthier, but. We need some bombs. We need a couple bombs today. So, yeah. Um, mm, DeAndre Hopkins. That dude is a man. Nuke Hopkins is incredible. He had that one catch where he had like two spin moves and got all the way down for a field goal for uh, Kaimi Fairbrain to hit home. That was cool. And, oh, yeah, of course, the Saints beat the Redskins 43-19 on Monday Night Football. Drew Brees set the passing record. And, man, Drew Brees might be one of the more underrated like top tier quarterbacks of all time his numbers are incredible but i don't think and i think he was definitely in a pass friendly system for the majority of his career uh pass friendly environments he was in uh inside the dome and all that stuff too so it definitely helps no wind conditions and whatnot but man talk about model of consistency and getting it done for like pretty much I would give him the two years, two to three years prior when he was in San Diego because he was still making the playoffs with that team. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, and all them. They had some very, very good teams. And uh, Marty Schottenheimer was the coach, and they were terrorizing the AFC West at the point. So there was that era. And then when he moved on to New Orleans, it was a big question mark because he had that shoulder surgery. And honestly, if... um, uh, it was I think the Dolphins were the front runners to get him, but the Dolphins made the decision to go with Dante Culpepper over him because uh, Culpepper also was coming off a knee surgery. Uh, knee, Culpepper was coming off a knee surgery, and Breeze was coming off a shoulder surgery. So, to a certain degree, you understand why you might want to go with the guy with the knee versus the shoulder because even he might not be as mobile. He could still throw the ball. You would think that uh, was not the case. Uh, Breeze's shoulder ended up looking good, and the rest is pretty much history. Culpepper ended up 
spending I think one season with Miami before coming to or two seasons before coming to Oakland, something like that. Uh, he bounced around at the end of his career. Cole Pepper did. Yeah, well, Breeze now he's a Hall of Famer, won a Super Bowl, all that stuff. Um, and I think it's funny how we still kind of give him a lot of credit in his career because he won the Super Bowl. But if he did not win that Super Bowl, I don't know if he would be thought of in the same light, which is kind of interesting. It would be. He would be one of those John Elway type players trying to get one before he retires. Um, and it's a different dynamic. Or um, Peyton Manning. Oh, no, Manning got one when he was younger, too. What am I talking about? You got two. But, yeah, he's uh, he was amazing. He's always been amazing. Model consistency. Shorter quarterback who figured out a way to, to throw over the middle without necessarily being able to see 100% of the time over the top of his lineman. Did a hell of a job moving left and right, finding those passing angles. I think he his footwork is very underrated in terms of uh, in the pocket. He's uh, pretty damn amazing, I want to say. And, yeah, the numbers will bear that out. That dude is crazy. He's incredible. And we'll see how much longer he can go. He still looks pretty good, honestly. And it's crazy that he caught the he broke the passing record on a touchdown because that was pretty spectacular. So, yeah, another uh, – passing record goes down and i'm glad that it's not a peyton manning passing record just because some of those yards were against oakland and i don't like that shit anyway we'll move on we'll keep it going mlb playoffs going on right now we are in the lcs's the championship series the league championship series so we got four teams left it's the semifinals practically and it's exciting times right here we've got um the dodgers brewery series and then we've got red sox taking on the defending champion Houston Astros so we'll start with this with the Brewers and uh the Dodgers game one Friday night or was it Thursday night Friday night Friday night man I mm, Kershaw just being Kershaw man he just cannot do it in the playoff for whatever reason he's just it's something else something else altogether that dude is struggling, man. He just doesn't have it. And it was pretty interesting that uh, the Dodgers decided to flip the starters because they went with Hyunjin Ryu uh, for game one in the, the previous series, and they brought in Kershaw for game two, which I think might have alleviated some pressure there for him. But they went back to um, Kershaw starting game one, and it was not a good look. Oh, man, they jumped on him early. He gave up a homer to freaking a relief pitcher. <laughs> Because uh, the Brewers were, they, they only let Gio Gonzalez go two innings. Um, so they went heavy on the bullpen. They ended up pitching Josh Hader um, three innings total. Hey, look, it's Joe Thomas rocking a <laughs> Baker Mayfield jersey. Retired Joe Thomas um, for Cleveland. Anyway, uh, wow. <laughs> Joe Thomas played 10,363 consecutive snaps for the Browns, and that's dedication, man, for <laughs> a team that's not so hot. Pretty damn cool. Um, that dude was a beast. Oh, my God. That dude was amazing for so long. For a team that was so bad for so long. I'm just watching NFL Network on right now. But, yeah, back to the playoffs, man. Freaking hit one off of – Woodward hit one off of him, and it's like that's when you know it's not good. So he gave up some runs, and then uh, the team came back on him, but uh, they couldn't do enough. It was an all-bullpen game for, for the Brewers, and they 
you know, stretched it out and were able to get that win. But they definitely uh, used Josh Hader. They, they uh, gave, pitched him three innings, man, and they kind of extended him a lot. And so it made him unavailable for game two. And so he didn't come in in game two. And they, um, with Hyunjin Ryu on the mound, he pitched a little deeper into the ball game. And the off, I didn't watch the game. I only got saw bits and pieces of it. I was at the gym yesterday because it was an early start game. And yeah, he uh, Dodgers ended up getting the win. Man, they came from behind. They were able to hit some home runs later in the game, and uh, get, make that come from behind victory. But there was a couple times where the Brewers were were in some jams. Tony Jeffers hit a uh, gave up a three run shot to um, um, what's his name Turner uh, to Josh Turner. So uh, Turner was the guy that struck out with the. It was the last at bat the night before, so it was a little bit of uh, payback for him. So, uh, yeah, th- well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the the Brewers bullpen for the rest of the series. See if they have a, the stars can go enough. Because it already seems like Craig Council's using using them a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in uh, the first two games. So if that continues, that might be a bit of a challenge there. So we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, yeah, the other series though, very interesting. Houston looks incredible. Houston is a juggernaut, and this is against a team against the Red Sox that is like they. I mean, they smashed the regular season. They were just lapping teams, and then you get into the playoffs, things change, man. Chris Sale looked a bit tight. He did not have his slider, it looked like, last night from when I was watching. He was not making the pitches for stri- getting them over for strikes. He wasn't getting guys to swing and miss. And the Astros were sitting on that fastball and letting those uh, sliders miss out of the zone. Um, man, so it was... Uh, there was a ton of them. A ton of sliders and all that stuff. And he was just missing all over the place. But Astros look freaking solid, man. They They look so good. They look so, so good. They got Correa batting seventh just because of his back injury and stuff like that. And Josh Reddick hitting bombs for them at the bottom of the lineup. And, man, they're doing they're doing what they need to do. This Red Sox team is going to be a challenge for them. They got to get some bats on balls. Verlander did pretty well. Uh, got out of a couple jams. And, oh, man, the, the Astros, they look the most uh, complete. It's going to be interesting to see what happens game two because they're going with David Price. And David Price has not been on in the playoffs in his career for the most part. And it's uh, they're going to keep going back to him. They gave him the money, so that kind of justifies that. But if I were them, I would have thrown out Porcello. Porcello is looking a lot better. Or somebody else, man. Freaking anybody else. I would switch that, uh, that rotation around. I think Porcello will probably go over game three. I think he's just their third pitcher. Um Let's see. Um, ALCS pitching matchups. Boom. There we go. Mm. Oh, yeah. Other thing, too. Alex Cora got tossed in the middle of the game. That was uh, arguing some balls and strikes. There was uh, one pitch. Uh, it was like one strikeout, I think, that was like ended the inning. That was pretty. It was like right on the edge, and he got pissed off about it. Eduardo Nunez also made some errors last night too. That uh, really, really, um, really cost them. 
And there's another ball that got past his glove, too, right underneath. Mm, let's see. Pitching probables. Let's see here. Yeah, Price is going to be throwing. And then for the Strohs, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Dallas Keuchel. Mm, yeah. Oh, no, Garrett Cole. What am I seeing? Fuck, they got Keuchel, too. I think is, is Keuchel even still pitching? Is he hurt? I don't even know. Yeah, so it'll be Price and Cole tonight. And then let's see. Let's go. I think they have Monday off. Let's see, Tuesday. Mm. Oh yeah, they don't have any. They don't have anybody else announced, besides tomorrow's game. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So we'll have to wait. I don't even know. If, that's how. That's how much I don't pay attention to baseball. <laughs> Regular season. I don't even know who fucks hurt. <coughs> oh my god. Hmm. Oh man. Sorry about that. Yeah, man. So let's uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the the if the Dodgers can get back to that World Series. They're gonna have to. Um, I guess they won Game Two. So yeah, they need three more victories. And well, no, I, wasn't, I wasn't even talking about the Dodgers. What the fuck? I was talking about the Red Sox. The Red Sox, yeah, that's going to be an uphill battle for them. They still have the offensive firepower. They just got to get the bass rolling. They got to get enough pitching because this, uh, this Astros team is no fucking slouch, man, behind the plate. They go deep in their lineup. Every dude seems like he's just uh, got potential to get on base. So, very solid team. I think they're the juggernaut team to win it. Man, again, they might go back to back, and I would not be surprised. It's because they're pitching strong enough. The Red Sox, I think their 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 pitching is not as as good. They got by with the with their offense this year, so we'll see what happens there. And anyway, we'll keep it moving. Uh, a couple different things going on in the world. Banksy had a one point four million dollar um uh piece of art that was sold at Sotheby's that immediately got destroyed. <laughs> Immediately, he had like a false frame that had a shredder on the bottom. And as soon as they announced the, the bidding had ended, the picture went through the shredder. <laughs> That's shredded into pieces, which is so Banksy. That's typical Banksy. And typical Banksy shit, we don't even know if that's actually going to add value to the fucking piece of uh, <laughs> the portrait. Because like uh, a lot of Banksy's artwork is, is sub, sub, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, subversive. Yeah, it's it's very twisted. And he tries to like put stuff on his head. He's like so popular, but he's very anti-capitalist and stuff like that. So it's like uh, the people who are the quote-unquote art collecting world, they uh, they love his shit, but he doesn't love them. So it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of weird. It's a very weird vibe. Um, but yeah, so he's just kind of poking fun of that stuff. I thought that shit was pretty hilarious, in my opinion. That was just typical Banksy shit. That's just what he does. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep it moving. Um, just touching on that. Another thing that's craziness was going on this week. We got to talk about this motherfucker every goddamn week. This goddamn Kanye motherfucker West stepping into the Oval Office, uh, unlocking his iPhone 000000. <laughs> what a genius. Uh, everyone's giving him shit for that. Um, whatever. It is what it is. But um, talk about rambling. Holy fuck. I don't even know what the hell he was getting at. That shit was crazy. He's supposed to be going in there to talk about uh, prison reform, but 
I don't know if any motherfucker is going to get out of jail because Kanye went to go talk to the uh, the payaso in charge. Uh, so, uh, pinche payaso presidente. Um, so, yeah, that was crazy. He's just rocking MAGA hats all the day, all, all the time, everywhere. and He's doing shit for attention, man. And, yeah, and I'm not even a big Drake fan, but I saw a clip of him talking on The Shop on LeBron's show this week and him talking about how Kanye flew him out and Kanye basically, he gave him a beat, but then also got him to work on his album and shit. He's weird like that. He'd be like, uh, um, what, what am I saying? He, he like, uh, the way he works on his albums, it's not him on his album. He like, uh, um, outsources a lot of the shit that he does. So it's, it's in terms of his writing for his raps or like even the production, he gets like, uh, co- a lot of co-producers and stuff. So it seems like he doesn't. I mean, I understand it's a collaborative, it's a creative process and stuff, but it seemed like he was doing it so, more so to take advantage of other people, like in his position, in his rank, in uh, the hip-hop game. So I think with all this crazy controversial shit going on, I think uh, a lot of that might slow down. Um, a lot of people in the media are really down on Kanye, but it's a different thing once you get people within his field to kind of really turn against him. And what happened in him visiting with the president, I think that started to to sow the seeds of that a little bit more. We saw T.I. come out against him and says that he was embarrassed that now he's worked with him and all this stuff like that. And uh, he considered him a brother before and things of that nature. And so we're seeing more and more people kind of question what the fuck he's doing and people who he's worked with and people who I I would say in the industry have been close to him in the past, former collaborators and shit like that. So, I mean... You know, I mean, do what you want to do, but I mean, people aren't gonna take you any what any like seriously anymore, at all. Um, but it is what it is. If he wants to do it, he wants to do it. He's doing shit for the shock value. I know a lot of people are gonna. Somebody I saw a tweet on uh, the other day that kind of summed it up a lot. I'll, Kim, I think, is going along with this whole thing right now just because she's going to position herself as being an abused woman next year um, so that she can get, like, the uh, the backing of... A, the emotional backing of a lot and support of a lot of women, even though I think she understands what's going on and she's just kind of playing her hand. So she's kind of playing it out. So it's like she wants to take the... Um, uh, perspective of somebody who is the the abused um and i think she's kind of let letting herself be in that position so i think someone was saying it's like uh 20 bucks i bet that uh kim is gonna divorce kanye and claim claim abuse and all that stuff and and talk about how she needed to to, to leave the kids because he was acting erratic and crazy which i wouldn't be surprised if that shit actually does happen <laughs> you know honest to god so um yeah man crazy crazy world we fucking live in crazy fucking world we living in but yeah the dude was going crazy he was going off i feel bad for jim brown sitting in on that damn meeting like this motherfucker really had to like run over like so many of these goddamn white fools back in the 50s and the 60s just to kind of put up with the bullshit and freaking rambling ass kanye west and shit yeah uh yeah jim brown was a fucking pioneer for like uh um you know one of those black athletes to pirate to uh you know help the you know causes for like the black population in america and it just seems very weird seeing him there in that setting <laughs> like not knowing what the fuck is going on <laughs> kanye teaching him about like hydrogen jets and shit like that and yeah 
Kanye's on this other shit. Kanye's on this med shit. And he's always off his med shit. Or I don't even know. I don't even know, man. He's got some mental issues. And I think he's always probably had mental issues. It's just, I don't know how they're they're showing themselves out. I guess now. He's in a weird bubble. And I don't know if anybody else can get in that bubble. It's just, yeah. Very disappointing to see. Very, very disappointing. It's so funny how they talking about um, uh, what is it? How the people on the right are trying to like promote Kanye? It's like the motherfucker when he stepped on stage and, and in front of a poor little white chick Taylor Swift at a, at the MTV VMAs. Every motherfucker on Fox News is talking about how horrible he is and how horrible uh, the hip hop community and all that shit was. Not let alone the fact that he was talking about how George Bush George Bush don't like black people and shit like that. I think he lost a lot of credibility from the people who he had. He looked up to him because of those words. Recently, he's lost a lot of that shit. Everyone talking about how he wants to be a free thinker and all this shit like that. So you can be a free thinker, but that doesn't stop you from be like, uh, that doesn't mean you have to be a, a dumbass or an idiot, right? There's talking about like, uh, I think we've talked about this before, man. There's a difference between, um, uh, what was it? Free thinking and like, um, uh, um, actual um, common sense thinking too. You know what I'm saying? Because there's got to be you got to be in reality. So you can think what you want, but if it's impractical, then what use does that make? And so <clears throat> that's kind of where I'm at. It's like you have the freedom to be a dumbass. It doesn't mean like when you are a dumbass that you that when people call you a dumbass, you shouldn't be a fucking upset about it. All right, just fucking learn your own shit, man. Pick your own goddamn uh, mental self up by your bootstraps and shit, or whatever the fuck, you know. Yeah, he's talking about the Thirteenth Amendment and shit. That's that's ridiculous, bro. Re fucking ridiculous. It's the whole crazy shit about him on SNL a couple weeks ago and all that stuff, and this shit is just it's amplifying like crazy. So, it's a uh, it's a weird, weird, weird fucking world we live in here. So. We'll take a break right now, and we'll come back with the E40 recap career retrospective a little later. So, yep, uh, we'll be back. I'm a motherfucking beast, I'm a motherfucking hog Pull up with the slump, or should I say black trunk Sounding like I got an alligator in the back Paint wetter than melted ice Rallying hockey strikes, burning rubber at every light Me mugging like fuck your life I be hustling all day and night Pushing all night and day Twisting and whipping, yeah Getting my guapole Salute for my goo to my pay Then I get in my way From the Bay to LA to the A This nigga connected Worldwide nigga, this fixture how you beheaded you ain't gotta like me, but you gotta respect Woke up early in the morning and put one in the air Got so high, thought about running for mayor Slapped myself to make sure I was still there Shit showered and shaved and then I cut my hair Today I'm trying to get laid and put a pounding on the money If I'm your bitch with ass like a world star hip-hop bunny 
Try to get rich in this collector sack my money. You can tell that my diva by my ball or tummy. Sometimes I dress up, sometimes I dress scummy, scummy. Sometimes I dress high class, sometimes I dress bummy. If it ain't about no cash, you can miss, you can miss. Most of the time, you can find this hustler tips, hustler Alright, we'll turn it down, unfortunately. Go against the green a little bit. We're back. And yeah, that's a little. Little, little more newer school Fody water for you. That's it. My shit bang. Off that graveyard shift revenue retrieving. Not to be confused with the other three great um, revenue retrieving series E40 albums. Cause motherfucker just put in work. But yeah, man, it's 40th episode. I figured, fuck it, let's just break it down. I know I'm hella late with this, but it is what it is, man. E-40 deserves it, man. Gotta give that man proper due, proper credit. That dude Earl Stevens out of Vallejo, repping Sick With It Records, The Click, so many other different business ventures. And um, yeah, definitely the dude who's uh, one of the OGs in the game, man. This man has been rapping since 86, I believe, maybe even earlier. But goddamn, think about that shit. 86, 2018. This is ridiculous, man. What is that? 32 years rapping in the game? Something like that? Is my math that horrible? Shit. Yeah, 32? That motherfucker is just putting in work. Still putting out albums. Still still charting. Working with uh, new artists, old school artists, everybody. You got respect from everybody. Just consistently putting in work, man. What can I say? This fool E40, man. He's done so much. He's had such a big impact. And I feel like regionally in like NorCal, the Bay Area and shit, this fool is a god. And then everywhere else, he's just kind of looked at a little bit like, okay, we'll give him respect for what he's done. But I don't know if they fucks with him like that heavy. It's like hit or miss. And it's an acquired taste because not everybody in the Bay even likes him too. Because that shit is because uh, I like to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Because he's uh, definitely can be an acquired taste. This, the the rap style and everything. Hella braggadocious and shit. But it's uh, it's the flow and the cadence that I think gets people. Because it's like... It's that you faulty. It's just the way that motherfucker you talking and shit. It's just like the way you fucking be going up and down and shit. <laughs> this voice is hilarious. Oh man, it's awesome. Definitely one of one. And yeah, some dude who's like really put a stamp on the game, on the rap game, pretty much from the get go. Man, he's just been killing it. Um yeah, this dude's been charting since, like, early 90s. Um, put out, I think I counted, he had, like, some 32, 36 albums that he's been put, been a part of, including the collab, a couple of the collab albums he's put out. That's freaking ridiculous, man. I mean, even just from, like, 2010, when he kind of uh, got off, the, like, the major label press and wave and everything. Two albums that year, two albums the next year, 2011. Three albums in 2012, three more in 2013, two more in 2014, two more in 2016, and then yeah, it just recently came out with the uh, the gift of gab here in 2018. That's ridiculous, man. That's that's a lot of freaking work. And then in between, 
2012, he put out an album with Too Short. Two of them, actually, a double album. And, yeah, and then this year, too, he came out with the, another album with Be Legit. And that's all recently, man. Shout out to Bila. Um, forever when you roll a double blunt is forever known as a Bila, as a Be Legit. Because, um, yeah, that's that. That dude did. The, the super long extendos. Yeah, those ones. Freaking Bila. That dude. Another one. Another member of the clique. Uh, legendary, though. So many good things, man. He's got like, so many layers and so many different parts of his personality that are freaking crazy. So it's like definitely Bay Boy repping. Um, he's a Niners fan. I give him that. Warriors. I see him at Corsite all the time. He was there um, opening night. Sitting right there on the corner looking like freaking a uh, member of the bench. <laughs> and just like right there. You see him rocking a headband sometimes. Um yeah man just the different business ventures as i mentioned before freaking crazy it's, it's got wineries it's got um i think he had like malt liquor for a minute he's got you see that in in liquor stores every once in a while um it's got um a tequila brand that's coming out uh pretty soon <laughs> funny enough E cuarenta. <laughs> it's E forty in Spanish, like literal translation. So <laughs> this was crazy, but yeah, that tequila's coming out, and it's had some other other uh, food businesses. I think he's a uh, used to have a fat burger, Chester McLock. Uh, what was it? Yeah, Ch- Chester McLaughlin <laughs> used to play uh, there for uh, I believe Oakland. Um. Yeah, played in uh, with Oakland. Um, yeah, that's my, before my time. But yeah, him and Chester, they opened up a fat burger for a little bit. And they had a wing stop too. I don't know if he still has that wing stop, but um, yeah, like I said, Mango Scotto had the. Oh yeah, had the Slurricane off that uh that uh um, that like mixed liqueur kind of Mad Dog type shit, but uh. Yeah, I got that Slurricane named after that song Hurricane that he had back in the day. Which, you got bumped that shit if you haven't. Um, yeah. It's crazy. He's got so much, so much, so much shit under his belt. And it's a very different, like, multi-layered rapper, I would say. Definitely dude just, like, does the traditional flambosin, talking about the rap game, talking about the pimp game, talking about everything like that. Um, but he, he tends to be a little more spiritual too. He's a real religious dude. So like in his recent albums, you see, you hear that he always, every single album always has a couple of the songs for like more club stuff, and then it's a couple of the songs was just like more hard bait shit, and then he has a couple of songs that are like, um, <laughs> trying to make them like R and B ish, and all that stuff. So it's kind of funny. He has like his little formula that he puts together uh, for all the like the shit he's been putting out recently. It's kind of. <laughs> been making it work it's kind of crazy still gets stuff to freaking chart like he's got a lot of uh commercial success um even recently which is kind of crazy um i'm not sure how many people really would have uh predicted predicted that even in the 90s man um dude was doing work in 2000 i mean in the 2000s like you dude, dude was like the one of the band leaders for the hyphy hyphy movement and everything like that so one of the the pillars 
of uh, the sound at the time. So that dude was in everyone's stereo, everyone's speakers, the radio was playing him. He had so many, damn, so many. You do not realize how many people have freaking and danced for so many hours off of his shit. Like, it's crazy. It's gigging. It's going crazy, going dumb. It mainly yoking out there. It's whipping. Doing it all, man. And that's the other thing, too, about him. It's just, this one comes with the slang and everything, man. Because a lot of people have been uh, kind of downplaying kind of his role and shit on the, the, the lingo and the vocabulary and uh, the hip-hop game and shit. But, I mean, there's a bunch of YouTube videos, man. You just go out and watch them. It's like um, where he breaks them all down and stuff. I'll give you a couple of tastes of some shit. I mean, Broccoli made a song out in 98 about that so like i mean come on that's one obviously captain save him uh back that's that was a song back in 93 so that's another one you can put on there i mean originated con the bay the yay area which is like makes perfect sense because um yeah the bay has a very long history of uh, the 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 dope game so yeah, that, that kind of runs hand in hand. And that even runs before um, Yale was, was uh, running the streets and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, I guess, for people there, well-known and everything like that. That's just that's just part of everyday life. <laughs> um, yeah, you can feel that shit. But, yeah, Cap Save Him, that's, uh, that's on him. Oh, what was I saying? Yay. Oh, yeah, the Yay, the yay area. I mean, that's the easy one. The bay to the yay, the yee, foshizi, all that shit. Um, oh yeah, called popo, the police popo. That's a, <laughs> everybody saw that shit. Yeah, he had a song back in '92 talking about that shit. Like, this is crazy, man. Just looking at this right now. Flamboston. Said being flamboyant in Boston. Flamboston. This dude has all the conjunctions and all that shit. Oh, that you feel me, you smell me. All that shit too, man. Gotta give it to him, man. You feel me, man? You see me, hear me? Just give him all the fucking senses. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh yeah, all the different variations of calling money cheese, cheddar, gouda, guap. Uh, what else does he call that? Uh. Um, that queso, like all that, all the different variations of that shit. That's kind of he's giving some of that shit. Um, oh yeah, Fetty, as in like Feria. That, that for money he's used. Uh, I think he was saying that was a fucking Vallejo term. Oh yeah, Bootsy, like hella Bootsy, bro. You you acting hella Bootsy? What's up with that? It's like you, you you doing extra, you're doing too much, you're going over the top. Chill out, bro. Like what's up? That's what that means. Um Yeah, man. Oh cat catting. You know how cats would be acting like kinda all um to themselves and kinda you can't predict them, just like kinda acting sideways. You don't know if you're cool with them or if you fucking um if they love you or if they hate you kind of like that shit it's like why are you catting why are you being a cat you're freaking catting off why are you bullshitting yeah i think he said that shit comes from from uh from j cat 
He says it's like some Frisco shit, but yeah, that, that, I've heard him say that shit a bunch of times. Started a bunch of people say that shit growing up. But where you catting? Stop catting. <laughs> Stop playing around. Stop acting uh, too gazy. Like, be real with me. That's the shit. Let's see what else. What else we got? Oh, talking about getting mail, getting them checks. That's what that equals to getting that bread, getting that money. So I get that. Um, oh, Sahab, Egyptian for France, Sahib. He just calls Sahab. Uh, what else? What else did he say? Yeah, some other shit. I mean, he's got a bunch, man. So you gotta give him credit for that shit. But um, yeah, also Sigwood Records, who's got some cool cool people on it. The biggest name that I fucks with on there right now, probably gotta be Nephi Neff to Pharaoh. Uh, yeah, that dude also coming out of Vallejo. He's a he's a beast. Y'all should listen to his shit. He got some slappers. He's real good. Fucks with that. I mean, obviously, be legit. The rest of the click with Sugar T. Uh, who else? Who else be on sick with it at the moment? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's go to the dot com. What's up? What's up? Let's load this. Why isn't it coming up? Cousin Feek, too. He's on there. Obviously, his son, too. Uh, producer slash rapper uh, Droopy If you hear the little drop Droopy on the beat Like at the beginning That's like That's him That's him I need to give me one of these Sick with it Hog tees This shit is fucking dope though Oof Maybe the A's one Got your area Oh my god These are some cool ones man All they got is like a fucking shop <laughs> It's a fucking shop Alright I gotta come back here <laughs> Uh, let's see. Yeah, who's on it? Uh, current artist. Boom. JT the fourth. Yeah, Nephi. Oh yeah, OMB Peasy. That's another youngin. He's a uh, um chilling out in the bay now. But this dude is uh, originally from Louisiana, and that dude uh he been fucking with hella bay bay cats and shit. So he been coming up. So OMB Peasy. He's he's dope. Uh, let's see Larue. Oh, LaRue's cool. LaRue, T-H-H. Like I said, Juby, Be Legit, Turf Talk. Oh, you got Chippas. Chippas! Used to be from the NHT boys previously. That's some uh, old school uh, slappers there from my high school days, college days and shit. Let's see. Um, yeah, he's had some other people on there. In and out. But the coolest thing I think is the sick with it hog chains though. That shit is fucking wet, dog. The sick with it. It's like uh, a little. If you haven't, if you've never seen the logo, it's it's like a like a pig, like a piggy bank with like money coming out of like it's like uh, its mouth and it's like uh, it's a top and shit like that. Fucking uh, dope ass image. Actually, I should probably describe it better than that. That's just from memory. I gotta pull this shit up. Yeah, it's like the it's a piggy bank, but it's like chewing up the money. So it's, <laughs> it's like the the sick with it. How he's got them chains and shit, and he, all his artists uh, be rocking the chains, the big old hog, just chewing up the dollar bills. That's a pretty pretty cool one. Um, yeah, man. We'll get into his discography now, I guess. Uh, let's see his chart history. 
What's been doing the best? Album sales. It's had two top tens. It's my get a report card in 2006 and then the Hall of Game in 96. That's like 10 year difference, bro. That's pretty, that's pretty damn good. I, I consider a successful career not like how um, high your peaks were sometimes. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to measure it. He's, he's not the guy who's had maybe as high as peaks as some other people who are like more popular, but his longevity and consistency and relative like being relative or, or yeah it's being like kind of about it still not many people have matched like that that long and could do it for that long and put in that that much work too like still wanted like and loving it and enjoying it the process of it just seems like it does because it Every couple, uh, yeah, like every year or two, he's just like still putting out work. So, dude is still uh, featuring on a lot of a lot of cats' records and shit too. Still a big player, man. Still, still doing his thing. Yeah, let me see. What else? Where's the fucking singles? I don't want that chart history. What's up? The album sales. Uh. Let's see, Hot 100, let's see, boom, 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 Snap Your Fingers, number seven, back in 2006, and this is a crazy thing about Snap Your Fingers, um, or no, excuse me, it was Tell Me When To Go, Tell Me When To Go was actually produced by Lil John, doing what he with his best interpretation of what a hyphy record was, which is so fucking crazy because Tell Me When To Go is like goddamn the fucking anthem of like all the fucking hyphy uh, get downs and shit. Like to this day, to this day, you play Tell Me When To Go and you'll still get like a good crowd of people. Um, Yeah, probably like a majority of fools that go out there gigging and dancing and shit. Like on the spot, like just randomly. It'll be a fucking Wednesday in uh, the middle of your lunch break and somebody play tell me when to go like if somebody from the bay or grew up with that shit will still be fucking wanting to be going and gigging they don't give a fuck they have a tie on and everything it's, that shit you put that shit on it's just like everyone starts feeling that shit and it's just oh man they get to the breakdown and shit gas break everybody fucking going crazy and shit oh man I used to have long ass hair and two and shit like that you'd be fucking uh, going fucking dumb I ain't got no hair no more on my top of my head. I still be going down with this shit. That shit's fucking crazy. Yeah, let's see. Obviously, yeah, I don't fuck with you is a big one. Big Sean. That was like a huge ass fucking hit too. You and that with T Pain. Damn, he's just fucking all the singles. Uh oh yeah, Rapper's Ball. That was a great one. Sprinkle me like I played before. Oh yeah, one love. This is some old school shit. <laughs> and then Log by Yo Gotti. That's so crazy. He's got all these this top ten. Saved by Ty Dolla. That was like two years ago too, man. And then Captain Save a Ho back in ninety four. That's crazy, man. This dude is like career is just so goddamn long. So motherfucking long. Here's the motherfucking albums. Federal in a major way, Hall of Game, Element of Surprise, Charlie Hustle, Blueprint of a Self Made Millionaire. Loyalty and Betrayal, Grit and Grind, Breaking News. I think Quarterbacking was off of Grit and Grind. That was a good one. 
uh my ghetto report card let's see the ball street journal this is the shit where i started fuck like started following and shit um at least like at then at that time the current shit probably about my, my ghetto report card because that shit was fucking everywhere it was bumping uh let's see yeah and then this is a uh, ball street journal revenue retrieving day shift and night shift did the double album next year came back did the Revenue Retrieving, Overtime Shift, and Graveyard Shift, Double Album. Let's see. Following year, did the Block Brochure. The Block Brochure. Welcome to the Soil 1, 2, and 3. That shit is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, E-40, Too Short, History, Function Music. E-40, Too Short, History, Mob Music. They wanted to make it, uh, call it a double album, like the History Channel or some shit like that. Or, but they couldn't get it clearing. Couldn't clear that shit. I remember when it was coming out. Um, thinking of copying that or burning it or something like that. I got a copy of it. I used to slap that shit. Um, back before I didn't have fucking Bluetooth on my damn car. Back my old car, a little Beamer and shit. I was, uh, yeah, dumping down the block, all that shit. Why is it only showing twenty five? What else we got? All my fucking hundreds of this shit. Uh, let's see. Um, came back with the black brochure. Welcome to the soil four, five, and six. So he did six of those within a two year span. That shit's crazy in 2012 and 2013. And then sharp on all four corners. Corner one, corner two. Guess we haven't got three and four yet. And then he had the D-Boy Diary book one and two. And then E-40, Be Legit, Connected, and Respected. And then The Gift of Gab, which just came out actually just recently. I think like a less than a month ago, something like that. Anyway, yeah, this dude, that's a shit ton of music. And every fucking album has got at least like 20 songs on it or something. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, um... Yeah, I think when uh, I look at, like, the double albums, when they release them that way, it's, like, 48 songs on some of them bitches. I'm like, god damn. Fucking ridiculous. Shit, man. Been putting out records. Yeah, I guess his first EP was back in 91, so I don't even count those. All the singles he's got. I'm just looking at his discogs. It's just crazy, man. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. He's been on so many fucking like dope ass, uh, um, uh, whatchamacallit. So many dope features, too. As he's had over the years. It's crazy. That man is a legend. Deserves all the respect in the world. And if you, ha- if you don't really listen to him, you don't fuck with him like that, I would suggest diving in and, uh, taking a listen. It's, you gotta get hip to the lingo, hip to the word, uh, hip to the game. But if you just use common sense with that shit, you put two and two together and you can uh, fucking uh, figure that shit out, man. You feel me? Just think about it. It's gonna hit you with your stapler, stapler, <laughs> your heater. It's like your pistol. That shit fucking, all that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just gotta put two and two together and figure that shit out. Like, just don't be fucking dumbass. You smell me. Alright. Ain't gonna force no more of those goddamn 
references or whatever. That should be lame as fuck. Anyway, we'll close this up. This has been episode numero 40. Number 40. Ooh, 40 water. Oh, yeah. Also, all the nicknames that dude has. E40 Fonzarelli. 40 water. Um, yeah, Mr. Fan Blowson. Fan, fan, what is it? Flamboston. Oh, uh, um, yeah, man. This dude has a fucking shit on lock. Motherfucking shit on lock. Let me see if he's got Charlie Hustle off Fonzarelli. Yeah, man. So much shit. So much shit. Anyway, yeah, I'm rambling. We're going to wrap it up. This has been episode 40. You were listening in to the Puro Caballero Show. Like, subscribe, share, all that shit. Hit the buttons wherever you listen to podcasts. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, all of the above. All that shit. SoundCloud, definitely. All of it. Look it up. You'll find me. Give me a follow. Give me a like. All that shit. At Puro Caballero on Twitter and Instagram. Till next time. Yee!